بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ما بعد uh, I think this is the first time uh, I have one of my own teachers on the on the show الحمد لله so uh, it's good to to have today on the show uh, شيخ شمس الضحى السلام عليكم ورحمة الله how are you السلام ورحمة الله كاتب how you doing you said that like you're under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> feel uh, feel a bit more under pressure, maybe, but uh, no it's pressure, okay. No pressure. <laughs> EC teachers are not intimidating. I hope. <laughs> hope not. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, Sheikh Shams is um, he's a co-founder of Ibrahim College, um, and he's also an Imam uh, and uh, actually a very well-known community leader here in in London, especially in East, East London. Uh, and that's actually something that we're going to focus on uh, in particular today regarding imams, regarding masajid, uh, in particular the youth, because um, Sheikh Shams, of course, recently, I think towards the end of Ramadan, he put a video out, which did the rounds. Uh, a lot of people were talking about it, and alhamdulillah, they engaged with it. Um, more so to do with, kind of, I guess, your personal experience, taking your own children to the masjid in Ramadan, um, and kind of, I guess, sharing some of your frustrations, um, but it wasn't just a, a rant video. There was actually something productive and there was an action point at the end of it. Um, so let's start with all the way from the beginning because I don't think this is just maybe an issue that's in East London or London or in the UK. I think because especially the Umfid family, we're global. So we have listeners from, and, and viewers from all across the world. So I don't think it's just an issue here. Um, starting with the masjid and with youth in particular, um, why do you maybe feel like um, why do you maybe feel like the youth are kind of disengaged or sometimes I I've seen myself they feel quite alienated uh, and they're not interested as much going into the masjid. Let's start with that and then then we'll continue the discussion from there. Okay, Bismillah. So pleasure to be here. Inshallah, <laughs> finally, we tried for a while to make yeah, this happen. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Um, okay, so that video was, was was kind of, it was a rant and it wasn't a rant. <clears throat> in the sense that I had a, a couple of frustrating things happen during the day. That murder had happened. I think that was a big mm. factor for me. I had actually chosen this Ramadan to keep to myself and, and not really engage much. But, um, but then... But then when all of that ha- ha- um, took place, I had quite a, I-, I felt what was a bad experience during Taraweeh with my kids. Um, when it was, I felt was disrupted by a really unreasonable amount of fundraising. I, I'm i a fundraiser, as you guys know. Mm. So I don't have a problem with, <laughs> with fundraising. You know, I, I yeah. tell people you have to tolerate it because the community runs like this. Yeah. But there has to be, it, there has to be a sensitive limit. So right. for those of us, sorry, who, who who haven't watched the video, just take us through again. Yeah. Like, so what the was basic the idea was, he, I think a few things happened, right? So first there was this murder, just a few, a hundred feet maybe from a masjid, right? Mm. That I was once imam at, so it's very close to my heart. Mm. Um, uh, and obviously it's in Tahamlas. So I I I grew up on those streets. Um. So that's one thing that was the issue. The, the other is, and then because of that, you end up seeing a lot of stuff because people kind of end up throwing in a whole load of other unrelated videos. But you end up seeing a lot of the same and similar images, yeah. sometimes of past stories <clears throat> and, and sometimes of similar stories, but happening elsewhere, but pretty much exposing the same problem. Um, then I had this experience in in the masjid um, where... 
they, I was there with my kids, right? And the idea was that I wanted them to experience the masjid on the 27th night. And my kids started to fall asleep because of the, because of the fundraising. Mm. And eventually it got too late for them. So we actually had to leave, basically. How, in much, the had end, you, how much had you actually prayed? Four cuts. Four cuts. We'd okay. only done four cuts of tarawih. Yeah. And in the end, we had to leave. And I think that was after, some, after like a 45-minute delay. Okay. Right? Um, that's from, from my point of view, for my children, that is not a positive mosque experience. Mm. Right? Uh, it wasn't even a positive experience for me. And I see myself as somebody who usually participates in fundraising. I'm a fundraiser and I like to think that I'm not a fundraiser who doesn't give money mm. of my own. Um, and and it's, it's it's a big thing in my family, you know, like we want to do our bit within our capacity, right? Mm. Um, but I felt, you know, it was way over the top. And this is a project that has my buy-in. Like, I believe in this project and I want it to succeed. Mm. And in fact, I'm going to try and do some fundraising for them. This is the art. This is the thing. Yeah. See what I mean? So the frustration isn't just because, oh, what's this? It's not some empty rant. You know, it's like, I'm. these are conflicted emotions. Mm. Then I left Jumu'ah. I can't remember if it was before or after. I'll have to check the dates. But then I left Jumu'ah and then, you know, I spoke about the murder and, and things like that. And then, and I remember in that masjid, they immediately announced a fundraiser for a new carpet yeah. for, the, for the next year. Okay. Right? <laughs> But it was like, it's Ramadan, get as much as you can yeah, out of it. Yeah, yeah. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, and th this, by the way, isn't part of the rant, because this is something I've been discussing for a long time, I've been speaking about for a long time, based on my experience with massages since the late 90s, since mm. 1999, right? It's a long time. And I've always felt that massages ignore activities, and they feel that somehow it is not justified to spend money on the community for the sake of, Activities that benefit the community, that benefit mm. their deen, that benefit their iman, that benefit the youth and so on. There is this strange reluctance. It's almost as if if a masjid committee does a end of term, end of end of tenure report saying that they've changed the carpet and spent ten thousand pounds on that and they've they've spruced up the wudu area and they spent fifteen thousand pounds on that and they did an extension here and they brought in a porter cabin over there and they now have plans for 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 a new extension that's mm. going to require a million pounds and <clears throat> and after all of that they've also left fifteen twenty thousand pounds in the account uh that's acceptable meaning that is a good report to me that is a disgusting almost to the point of nausea report mm. because that report says that that masjid committee has done absolutely nothing for the community and all it's done is it's spent money on bricks and mortar mm. right and has spent no money on the community and when they do spend money on the community all right it's food it's always food it's yeah. like oh we fed people we, there was this event we brought the imam over we brought the sheikh over we did this we did that and then we fed people the biggest bill is Food, as if people have can't don't eat, mm. you know, as if like we're struggling to eat in this country, so we have to bring people over and do the khalafata shinni, you know, they do in Bangladesh, right? You know, feed people on on yeah, yeah. Uh, on banana leaves, uh, you know, and that's how people get come to them. Yeah. It's like this is nonsense, right? Spend money on activities, spend mm. money on services. <clears throat> in fact, activities is actually a deceptive word, right? Because people will say, "Oh, we do activities." No. Masajid have to deliver services and they have to spend money on those services. That means that 
the services that they deliver have to be services that you know that are budgeted for the revenue a big chunk of the revenue is spent towards it fundraising is done for to fund those services yeah. and those services are direct they're not what i call wahwa services you know services that make the masjid look good and create good youtube videos and nice facebook posts mm. and etc etc right all the feel good stuff that preaches to the choir services need to be directly connected to problems they have to be of a problem solving nature yeah. that's those are the services that we need right why do you want to deliver a service that people don't actually need but it just makes them feel good that's not a service that's a celebration mm. right so this is the issue to that particular the principle is the same regardless of the problem that we're trying to address it just so happened that at that time the problem was related to youth yeah right and it was it, that murder had happened and that that's what was on my mind and the specific idea i suggested was masajid should be employing people to deliver services to youth mm. even if that meant if <clears throat> Ideally, the, it should be the imams, and the imams, the posts should be beefed up, the salaries should be beefed up, people should be looked after, so mm. that they can dedicate themselves to these services. And then if it's too much for the imam, if an imam is, if an imam is already fully occupied, then take on, a, take on someone um, who is qualified to yeah. serve youth and, and news. And I very, I very specifically um, suggested that, it, the, that the, the work that needs to be done is youth engagement. And it should be done strategically, and therefore every single message should have a youth engagement strategy for which they should employ. Mm. And when they fundraise, they should fundraise, fundraise for that. Don't raise £90,000 for, 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 to increase one line in the masjid, to install a new wudu khana, when actually all you needed to do was maintain the one that you already have. Just keep it clean and keep it clean of smell. Yeah. Right? When carpets can be washed instead of changed. Don't do that. Raise ninety thousand pounds for f- so that so that uh, a youth worker's post can be guaranteed for three years. Right? Mm. You know, write up the project, deliver it, review it after three years. If after three years the community thinks it's successful, do another fundraiser, raise another ninety thousand pounds. Yeah, I think it's, it's it's down to priorities, isn't it? Because in the like most mosques, this is the kind of stuff that they are fundraising for. It would just be for further extensions or. Um, for nice chandeliers uh, and to do up the inside of the masjid yeah. uh, this is something that and, and, and the community I feel like uh, regardless of where they are they're becoming more and more frustrated as well um, because they're just like you know what all they're doing is ask 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 but there's there's no yeah. there's no output there's, yeah. there's but, no result but the community are also to blame mm. um, in what sense? in the sense that we we, allow, we encourage this act we encourage this action okay now you have to remember, uh, should be that, you know, I have been, you know, very reluctantly, I have been fundraising for the last sixteen years, mm. pretty much, right? Because, you know, the survival of an institution has been dependent upon the fundraising efforts that me and some colleagues make, uh, in order to cover deficits, etc., etc., etc. And this money doesn't go towards sprucing up buildings. You know, you spent six mm. years in that building. You know, we don't hardly spend any money on bricks and mortar. It's all on the services that are being delivered, on the education and so on. Yeah. Mm. Now, in my experience fundraising for 16 years, the very tactics that are employed to get people to give money 
other tactics that people respond to. Why do people? Why do charities fundraise the way they fundraise? Why do masajid fundraise the way they fundraise? Why do they always go? Why do they always find a building project? Always find something to do with bricks and mortar, something visible, something mm. tangible to fundraise for, because they have, in their experience, that's what the community responds to. Fundraising isn't being done because there is a need. Fundraising is being done so that a need is created that they know that psychologically donors would give money to. So mm. we, we, there is a culpability <clears throat> here. It is our psychology that the fundraisers are plugging into. We have to change that psychology. It is our mindset that they're plugging into. Mm. Right? We, I went to a donor once and I said, would you sponsor, uh, would, you, would, you, would you contribute towards a scholarship? for to train a alim in this country right and he said to me do you know how many alims i can produce in pakistan for that money <laughs> right because i did yeah, educational yeah. fundraising right now what's the next fundraiser going to do what's the next charity going to do when he knows that this is the donor's mindset he's going to create a scholarship program right for Pakistan, Pakistan, for yeah. India, because he he's because he's thinking, oh, that's what the donor is going to give money for. Yeah. He's not going to think, you know what? As a charity, we have local needs. I'm going to put, I'm going to go and fundraise for local needs, etc., etc., etc. When we advertise for fundraisers, right? It's really, really difficult to recruit people. Why? Because it's too difficult to fundraise for local causes, for needs, for strategic needs. Because it's just easier to do the other stuff. Yeah. So we're not without culpability. Do you understand? Change the if the community changes its mindset, if the community won't give money for unnecessary bricks and mortar, who's going to fundraise for that? If the community made massage accountable for unnecessarily car, unnecessary carpet change, why are you washing that carpet instead of changing it? Why? There is not a single spot in the whole masjid where the carpet has worn out. Mm. Right? Yeah? The carpet just needs to be washed. And I, you know, I've washed carpets, yeah, in the sense that, that I have a rug that's. 15 years old does that mean that it's just been sitting there unclean for 15 years no we wash it mm. right we get it washed i live in a building where the the common areas right get washed every six months the carpets get washed every single every six months you come two weeks after the after it's been washed right and a carpet that gets trodden on with shoes looks brand new yeah you understand? We want to spend 15,000, 20,000, 30,000 pounds depending on the size of the masjid on a new carpet it's Honestly, man, it's a crime. <laughs> it's a the, crime. The funniest thing in that video you said was there was uh, apparently there's a mosque that fundraised for was it a minaret or something, and they spent how much? They spent much a million money? pounds. That's what I've been told. I mean, I'm yeah, not yeah. I'm not quoting, uh, you know, I'm not taking this from from documents yeah. or anything like that. But that's what I was told by the local people that they spent. A, this is local to very local yeah, yeah. to here, by the way, and they spent a million pounds on the minaret. You know, it's an ugly thing. <laughs> Honestly, it's just ugly. <laughs> Right. Oh, man. Anyway, uh, yeah. what I mean, what's going on? A million, what, even, a million even, pounds even, on even a six, on half a, a million on a statement. Yeah, on a statement, right? Mm. When on that street, on that street, right? It's it's establishment after establishment where Muslims are selling alcohol. Right on that street, people are selling their bodies. On that street, drugs are, are being taken. Do you understand? Mm. And this is one of our largest masajid. I mean, it's unacceptable. There are masajid. Just yesterday, I was speaking to somebody, right? There was a masjid that spent, I'm not going to tell you how many millions because I might give it away. A masjid that spent, you know, like millions. Let's just do it like that. Millions, yeah. right? 
And the only justification for that spend, do you know what it was? It was competition with another masjid. No way. Do you understand? It was, they've done it, so we're going to do it as well. Wow. What do you say about stuff like that? There's a masjid in the UK where they spent £5 million without increasing any prayer space. Spent £5 million without increasing any prayer space. All they did was upgraded the facilities. For me, it's particularly painful, mm. right? Because look at the really look at the grassroots work now. Look at the absence of grassroots work. Look at how the education sector is suffering. Look at how the youth sector is suffering. Look at how our children are suffering, mm. right? Look at how we we are unable to deal with t- challenges when it comes to the media. Look at how we're struggling with this RSE problem, this mm. sex education problem, and all of these legitimate efforts are struggling. And we're spending millions and millions and millions of pounds, right, on buildings that are empty for the whole week except for Jumu'ah. Yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of these problems that you mentioned, whether it's, um, you know, especially coming back to the, 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 the whole youth engagement side of things. Because as someone who's, you know, born and raised in this country myself, um, seeing, you know, part of this generation, seeing a lot of the youngsters, like I said at the beginning, they don't feel, they almost don't feel welcome inside the masjid or even if they are, they just don't, they just don't see any other reason. Even though a person could argue, you go to the masjid to pray your salah. But for me, it's like there should be something else there to pull them because they're finding all the other enjoyment outside. Like you said, there's 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 drug issues, gang violence, um, prostitution, all of these things are you know, very widespread in our communities. So what can the masjid do? Let's just say they have the money now. What can the masjid do with that? So like you said, we can. the masjid can employ a, a youth, let's say, engagement officer. Um, what else can the masjid so do a, with this? A good imam, good imams to start yeah. with, with who, who are paid properly. Mm. Let's begin with that because the whole reason why I mentioned a youth engagement officer, a separate person, yeah. one of the reasons was because actually, let's face it, a lot of, a lot of masjid don't have imams that can do that work. Mm. That is the truth. Um, I recently went to um, a careers event for young ulama. So people who are just graduating out of Darulums in this country, there was a careers event for them to provide them with some careers advice and so on. Um, You know, (laughs) and you know what the the, the most frequently repeated cliche was? That when when, when an established, when when an experienced imam stood up to present the imamat role and the career in imama, it was all about yes, it's tough, and, and I hardly, I know hardly any of you want to do it. Do you see what I mean? Mm. Nobody wants to do imama. Why? Yeah. Because it's because it's unattractive. Because imams can't work under these masjid committees. Because, uh, you know, we know we've recently had an experience of one of our graduates who was an imam, mm-hmm. right, but couldn't hack it because because of the committee because they fell out with the committee. Yeah. Um. So that's fundamentally one problem. Okay. That that the employment conditions both in terms of how imams are treated, but also in terms of salary and, and, and pay and progression and training and mm. development. All of these things are important in order to attract good imams. That's without even getting into the fact that in a lot of masajid, and I have no statistics here, I am this is anecdotal, uh, but I know it's true. Uh, in a lot of masajid, um, imams that are not English-speaking are deliberately are deliberately recruited, headhunted, in fact, right? And this is where it connects to the youth issue. Why? Mm. Because because the masjid isn't for the youth. The masjid wasn't set up for the youth, right? Why, uh, get, why insist on a 
Urdu speaking Imam or a Bengali speaking Imam at the expense of an English speaking one or with the absence of an English speaking one. Why? Because the masjid is for, for the old men. Right? And mm -hmm. I've got nothing against them. Right? You know, they of course they have to be at the masjid and so on. But at the end of the day, they're not taking the drugs. Mm. Right? They're not chasing after girls. You know, they're not they're not killing one another in knife fights and 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 and, and gunfights. Mm. <laughs> they're not involved in gangs. They're going to come to the masjid anyway. Regardless, yeah. Regardless they're going to come to the masjid, right? They they they're not even, you know, when you when you do a halaqa and I'm bilingual by the way. I was a bilingual imam, so I used to 50-50. You know, my in fact, I used to speak more Bengali in my khutb, in my Jum'ah bayan than I did English. The English used to always suffer. Yeah. Right? I did more in, in in Bengali than I did in English. And the truth is that, yes, there was some success, I have to say, and there were certain things I was able to clarify and, and so on. But for the most part, the elderly are not interested in learning new things. They should. And they should be challenged on that. Right? Mm. But they're not. You know, there is a resistance to learning at that age, at, mm. at, you know, when people are in their 50s and 60s and 70s. That's not the case for, the, for youth. Right? But why is it why? Because the psychology is that the masjid is for the elderly. Mm -hmm. It's not for the youth to start off with, right? So there's a mindset. There's an issue of mindset, isn't it? It's like the do donors, <coughs> they donate based on a set of assumptions, a set of cultural, a, 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 a kind of base. They exist within a cultural norm, a set of cultural norms, a cultural narrative, mm -hmm. a cultural paradigm, <clears throat> right? And all of that needs to be addressed. Now, let's come to young people, right? So... Young people are not welcome, there aren't services for them, there aren't imams that they can relate to, and etc. It's all contributing to the problem. Yeah. However, let's be realistic, Masajid can't solve all of the youth problems. Yeah. Right? We don't have the resources, that expectation is unfair. However, it's, it is unacceptable for Masajid not to do anything, for Masajid not to play a substantial role. And that role can be substantial, if it is well thought out, if it is strategic, if it is planned. Right? And if the people delivering that are competent. Mm. And for competence, you need to make sure that you're, you're able to pay people salaries, etc. etc. Now, fine. Somebody turns around and says, we haven't got the money. <coughs> Not a problem. If you truly don't have the money, fine. You, you find some other workaround. You bring in people from outside. You ask for volunteers. You, you do that, right? But is it the case that we don't have the money? Mm. This is the point, isn't it? That's why it's, it's become about, you know, I bring up the issue of fundraising because all of the other things that we do prove to us again and again and again that we do have the money. For, for certain. And and there is enough money in the community. And um, I think a lot, uh, coming back to the imams as well, because uh, it's not, because it's, I remember we had one episode as well of two kind of young local imams and they were also saying, obviously, it's not fair as well to expect everything from the imams because they've already got so much, so much to do. I guess that's why it would be effective to bring in separate people with expertise in the field yeah. of youth engagement or with fundraising, rather than kind of loading it all, offloading it all on the imam. Yeah. Like, okay, you are now the counselor, you're the teacher, you're the uh, media spokesperson, and everything else. Yeah. Because cause then, cause then what, what what will happen is obviously if you're not paying the imam enough, uh, we had this discussion as well, uh, then the efficiency of the imam is going gonna, is gonna to take a hit. Yeah, so I often say that the imam doesn't just lead prayer. Imam, even if the imam doesn't lead prayer, mm. what's the big deal? The imam is the leader of the community, the leader of the masjid. The imam is the CEO of the masjid, mm. right? The imam oversees the strategy and so on. Now, a lot of imams don't have any training to be able to do things like that from their education, right? So... 
give them the training. Mm. You know, spending money on people, spending money isn't just about spending money on wages. It's also about spending money on development so that people can then become, be worthy of those wages. Like, if, if I was in a mosque, mosque community, right, and an imam just came and said, oh, you should be giving me £10,000 more. My answer now sitting on the other side of the table would be why? Mm. Why? You have to justify that increase. Do you understand? You can't just go on strike. You have to justify the increase. Does that make sense? It's like, yeah. you know, is it what somebody with equivalent qualifications would get in a similar job? Do you understand? If it isn't, why? Well, I don't have this qualification. I don't, well, go and get those qualifications. So before give, giving you a £10,000 pay bump, I'd rather spend £5,000 so that you can train yourself up so that when I put in systems to keep you accountable, you can understand those systems. You have the professional knowledge to be able to understand those systems. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So it's not just about <clears throat> paying better. It's also about investing in the development of the imams that we already have, getting them into leadership programs, getting them into, into youth programs, not putting burdens upon them that they can't bear, but rather giving them the capacity and empowering them to be able to bear those burdens, right? You know, why is it that one CEO can run a multi-billion pound company, another CEO flops and, you know, can't manage a local council or something like that? Yeah. It's, it's, it's different levels of competency. One is just better than the other, right? So it's about also investing in the development of people so that they, they are better at what they do. Um, and then if that's not enough, then you recruit. Right, yeah. you know, an imam can have an assistant imam. They can have a male assistant, a female assistant, female for female activities, youth development people, all under the imam who is a well-trained person in management, in leadership, and so on. There is a structure that can be employed, but the mentality <clears> change is <throat> what's important, right? A lot of these things are no-brainers. Mm -hmm. So after that video, so this is a big, a bit of good news. This is becoming too yeah. negative, so I'll give you a bit of good news, right? So after that uh, video, three. Well, two masjids kind of voluntarily reached out to me and said, we really like this idea. Will you advise us on how to make it happen? Mm. Um, of course, I immediately said, you know, of course I will yeah. give you guys time. You know, let me know after Ramadan. And then one masjid I kind of imposed myself on and I reached out to the committee members and I said, look, I want to sit with you about this. Um, last night, I had a meeting with the first of those masjids. Okay, good. Right? And mashallah, you know, they were like, you know what, we're on board, right? We're going to do this. Um, we want to break the cycle but we don't know what to do mm. we don't know what to do you're going to have to guide us so I said you know what okay I'll put together a team of people who are from a youth uh, a youth uh, work background people who are from perhaps a consultancy background and so on to, to, to put together like a template youth engagement strategy yeah. type of document and we had this whole conversation they were a small masjid so I said look you know you don't have to employ we agreed that this masjid, it's too much to expect you to employ a youth worker, mm. right? What you have to do is develop your... They had a good young imam, competent, beautiful recitation. Um, I really enjoyed his company, mashallah. And um, I said, look, you have to develop this guy, right? And I said, look, develop him in, in, in leadership, develop him in youth work, and develop him mm. in counselling. Three important areas, right, that every single imam should have training and <clears throat> given development these things don't even cost that much it's not that expensive mm. to put them through. especially the initial you know like the entry level training as they progress and take more advanced training it gets a bit more expensive but it's nothing that the masjid can't avoid you can have you know a year of development putting put, putting development into that imam you can tie that imam down contractually and say we're going to spend this much money on your development however you have to be contractually tied to this masjid mm. for 
this many years the imam can turn around and say okay well in that case you have to make sure that you pay me this much so i can my needs for the next three four years are fulfilled and so on and both parties can tie themselves to each other yeah. does that make sense so that all that development invested in that imam doesn't get wasted right mm. so so we kind of agreed all of this and we're all going to go away now and do some work and hopefully it will become a template that i can share with other masajid as yeah. well meaning where there's a will there is a way when people want to it can it can happen yeah um but you know the thing about mindset and attitudes and and, and culture and things like that is mm. that they're invisible barriers like we we are stopping ourselves from doing the right things thing even though intellectually we know mm. what the right thing is but culturally we have these these hang ups that get in the way so that after all i'm having this conversation and i bet you there's a lot of people who are going to see this and they're going to go yeah 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 yeah, yeah oh yeah mashallah mashallah sheikh thumbs up they're going to do all of that <laughs> right and they're going to go to the masjid for yeah. the next bricks and mortar project <clears throat> and they're going to pour their pockets out mm. So what, that's 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 the question. So as in for the listeners and viewers, what is the next step? Are, are you advising something very similar to okay, what you've so I, already I, told? I'm, the first thing I'm going to say is don't let your masjid fundraise for stupid things that are not necessary. But when right? you say when you say don't let them, as in ha- as, as as a person who's tell just attending the committee, the masjid, we're not going to donate to this. Okay. I'm sorry. Not while you're ignoring our youth needs, our children's needs, the mm. standard of education in our madrasa um, services. You're ignoring services. Mm. Do you understand? You're ignoring the wider community needs. You're not engaging with the local school. You're not engaging with the local council. You're not engaging with the local interfaith forum. You're not doing any of that work. But you want us to fork out ten thousand pounds for the carpet. I'm sorry. Wash the carpet. Go get on your knees and scrub it yourself. Mm. Right. So that's the first thing. They had honestly. We have to vote with our feet. Yeah. Right. They. You know, unnecessary fundraising campaigns. Right, should be unsuccessful. They should never get off the ground. And I'm sorry, this is controversial, right? You know, I'm saying things that are, are going to upset committee members. Do you understand? But inshallah, I'm telling the truth. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm confident that I'm telling the truth. Do you know what? Provide those youth services. Provide a competent imam. Prov- a, a competent imam. Solve problems. Your carpet's not going to be an issue. The community will pay for your carpet. And mm-hmm. the community will pay for your extension. You understand? Yeah. Why do you want to build a multi-million pound masjid that's going to do nothing, stay empty all day? Mm. What is the point? How are you going to answer for it on the Day of Judgment? On the Day of Judgment, it's a kind of israf, right? On the Day of Judgment, how are you going to answer for it? Yeah. So, okay, <clears throat> start with that. So, so basically making uh, the people in charge, the committee, making them aware. And then what would be next? The so next that's step? one thing. The, the next is... Um, and partly, and I'm for all to all of my brothers and sisters who are who are who are in the rare sister, but all, to all of my brothers who are in masjid committees, you know, like look, I apologize. I've got nothing against you, um, so therefore, don't take this as a kind of rant against you. Take t- take this from a brother who you know I genu- I believe that the masjid is the center of the community. Mm. And for somebody who is your nasih, who is sincere, and who wants you to gain the maximum rewards from your times as committee members. right? Yeah. So I think our committee members, they need to first ask themselves that on the day of judgment when I stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what kind of work right, will guarantee that, I, that any accountability with regards to this role as the chairman of the masjid, as the secretary of the masjid, as the treasurer of the masjid, which kind of work will guarantee that I will pass that questioning? I will pass that accountability. 
كلكم مسؤول وكلكم وكلكم راع وكلكم مسؤول عن رعيتي. What does that hadith mean? Forget the first part of the hadith that every one of you is a shepherd. The second part is the scary part. You will be asked about your responsibility, about your flock, about yeah. the people who you have taken responsibility for. When you become a masjid committee member, you're not taking responsibility for bricks and mortar. You're not yeah. taking responsibility for a wudukhana. You're not taking responsibility for a chandelier. You're not taking responsibility for a dome or a minaret. You are taking responsibility for people. Mm. Right? And it is your duty to spend whatever resources that is available to you on those people. On the day of judgment, wallahi, 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 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not ask you how beautiful was the masjid. Mm. Allah will not ask you, did you have electronic taps or did you have manual taps? Allah will not ask you, were they, were they automatic taps or not? Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not ask you if the masjid had a chandelier. If yeah. anything, we <clears throat> might be accountable for how extravagant our masjids are. Because the Prophet ﷺ warned us that the over-decoration of masajid is a sign of the end of time. Zakhrafatul masajid. And the yeah. Prophet ﷺ didn't make, in his time at least, and in the Khairul Qurun, that kind of lavishness right, didn't exist in masajid. Mm. See, th these are really good tips, I think, for practical tips for people yeah. to go away and, inshallah, well, make, make a difference. Before that, it's... Sincere counsel to people who are in committees. Yeah. That's the first thing. Look, you have a responsibility. That responsibility is not to a building. That responsibility is to people, mm -hmm. and to and, and for using that platform to solve the problems. There's the spiritual problems of those people. It's a it's a position of being a committee member is a position of spiritual leadership. Although mm -hmm. you're not the person that delivers the ser the spiritual service, you are the people as a, as a committee who facilitate the mm. delivery of those spiritual services. That's first. Buildings are wasail. They're means to an end, right? What's mm. happened now is our whole objective is the wasail. The means are our objective. Yeah. The objective has become secondary. The objective is the spiritual needs of people. Mm. So I feel a lot of your concerns, maybe they're coming um, as a member of the community or maybe as someone who has experience as an imam. Um, but based on a lot of the, the issues that you've mentioned, because you're a parent yourself, so what, what are your concerns as a parent, um, especially with the issues? Because again, going back to that video, there's one kind of powerful point that you made, which was, you know, a time will come where we're going to be hearing about it's this person's child, it's that, that person's child that's involved in these in these, you know, really like yeah. crazy things. But then the moment you get a knock on your door or the moment yeah. you get a phone call and yeah. and you're being told that it's... You know, you watch, your, it, on, you watch it on Bengali news, yeah, you yeah. watch it on TV, you read it on the news and it's like, ah, yeah, it's yeah. somebody else's child, it's so-and-so's child, it's so-and-so's child. Yeah. It's only when it they turn around and say, it's your son, your daughter, yeah. your nephew, your niece, suddenly it comes home. Mm. And until that knock on the door, we don't wake up. And you know what we do when the mm. knock on the door comes? We hide. Our reaction isn't, Inna lillahi wa inna rajun. We've been so heedless. We need to do something about mm. it. No, we hide. Why? Because we feel embarrassed. Izza, shoram, shame. So we duck our heads in shame. And we become even more inactive. Mm. There's no, like, you know, there's no, the, the passion to respond and do something about it, right? Yeah. That doesn't exist. <clears throat> do you know what I mean? And yeah. that, this is a problem. So it will be, my family, right? Here we are, you know, oh, we have all the well, am I in the family? We have this, that, and the other. The extended family, right? You know, and all of a sudden, suddenly, boom, you get good 
nice little whack in the head, right? Mm. When somebody in your family gets involved in a really violent incident related to drugs or some other crime or something like that, do you understand? And they're in jail and you're like, how did this happen on our watch? Yeah. Do you see what I mean? And every family has a story like that. Every family has a story like that. Illa mashallah. Okay? So, I mean, what are communities, what are masjid congregations made up of if not these families? Yeah. Do you understand? And how can we be putting our money into masajid but that same masjid that has no role to play when it comes to these things? Mm. Right? So, look, I think that I don't think I'm making fantastically original points here. Mm. I think we all know this is the truth, right? I think we all know this needs to be done. <clears throat> so I don't think intellectual conviction is the issue here. I think action, lack of action is the issue, yeah. right? And I think a lot of the problems with my generation and the younger generations is that we moan and we groan. Oh, the elders, etc., etc. For how long am I going to complain? Is, are people my age, in their 40s, going to complain that masjid committees are the problem? Mm. When is the generation younger than us going to turn around and say, Sasa, not Baisab. It started already. So kids are coming up to me now calling me Sasa. <laughs> calling me uncle. <laughs> uncle, yeah? yeah. Yeah. So all of a sudden, they're going to come up to me and say, Uncle, aren't you one of the elders? Yeah. Right? When are you going to take responsibility? When are you going to join the committee? And when are you going to show that you can do things different? Mm. Do you see what I mean? And young people, oh, they don't facilitate us. They don't facilitate us. Well, when are you going to volunteer for the masjid and give your time and help those elders? You know, we've got these old men, right? Laying out the carpet in the masjid, hoovering the masjid, etc., etc. Yeah, and young guys are walking in. Yeah, hey, bro, blah, blah, blah. And there's an old man hoovering the uh, masjid. Not one young yeah. person goes and offers <clears throat> help. So... Why, why are those elderly people going to hand over the baton to young people who also who take no interest themselves? Right, I'm talking to practicing young people, you know, the guys who are going to the masjid, not yeah. the guys that are out there doing drugs. Yeah, I'm talking to young people who are going to the masjid that we also have to show. When I say young, I don't mean 13, 14, 15 years. I'm talking about people in their, in their 20s and in their mid-20s, you know, people, people your age and so on. Mm. That you've got your elderly chachas and your gra people who are, who are like your grandparents' age doing khidma in the masjid. But people our age aren't going getting involved, get, lending them a hand. Mm. We all have a responsibility <clears throat> that is ultimately action-related. Mm. Do you understand? You know, I, I, use, I, love, I love the word fondit, right? You know? You know, the Bengali word fundit, yeah? yeah? A know it all. You know, it's really easy everybody being a know it all. Everybody yeah. got something to say, something to quickly punch out on social media. Everyone's got an opinion. Not too yeah. many people have action. Yeah, it's very true. Especially with social media. It's especially with social media. Um, you know, as 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 a parent or as an elder in the community, um, because we were talking about responsibility earlier on, and again, we can't just pin all the responsibility on the masjid or on the teacher or on the imam as parents of course we have our own responsibilities and it, and it would start at home so for example if there is knife crime in the community if there is uh, drug abuse or if there is prostitution taking place in our community obviously clearly as parents there is there is some blame there right so what can what would your advice be to parents who might be listening as well um, so vigilance first and mm -hmm. foremost so some things i'll take for granted right and you'll have to attend a parenting course if you don't know these things. So your basics of bringing up your children on Islam, on deen, prioritizing deen over dunya, prioritizing akhirah over, uh, over dunya. 
these kind of things making you build uh, raising children that are akhirah orientated raising children mm. who are at least in, in at least intellectually able to say that my my akhirah is more important than my dunya who at least intellectually will be able to say that my iman is my most important treasure my most important asset is my iman Right. The most important thing in my life is my iman. That that I take my more I take my morality from the Quran and the Sunnah. Do you understand? Yeah, Meaning yeah. raising children like that, right? So that's that, that, that. I would say that's a basic. I know a lot of mm. a, a lot of us are failing on that front, but that is a basic thing. Then vigilance. Okay, so vigilance in terms of what your kids are getting up to. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> the other day I was giving an example that you know, like like today, literally, literally. Um, uh, society now the kind of this liberal technology child society is like living in a plague mm-hmm. it's like living in a plague yeah and you're basically trying to avoid infection do you understand you know washing your hands and putting a mask on or a gas mask or whatever it is but you're constantly you know and like any minute it can come and hit you and the reason why i call it a plague is because once it hits you or hits your child it has a life of its own, right? Once your child gets exposed to pornography, all of a sudden, it takes their mind over in a way that is your child who was reciting the Quran beautifully yesterday, your child who was who's, who's, who makes the right moral sounds, says the right words, has memorized 40 hadith, has done this. You know, in really, really practicing families, suddenly it becomes withdrawn. All of a sudden, they're a different person. And then you discover mm. that they've developed a, a, a porn addiction. That they know is wrong. It's like not being able to fight that infection. Yeah. Right? It's like they, they don't, it's like it's, it's just taking them over. It's like they're, psychologically, they just, they've been defeated. Right, spiritually, they've been defeated. It's like that. So, the way if you were if you were you know if you were trying to protect your children, you know from from some serious virus or some serious bacteria, what do you have to do? You have to remain vigilant. Like, what are all of the different avenues through which my child could get infected and exposed? Right, and being vigilant around mm-hmm. all of those things. The same thing, vigilance. Right, what are the things that are you know? Are, we have we believe we believe as as. In our f- spiritual philosophy and in our theology, we believe that we have inbuilt, God-given inhibitions against fawahish, against things that are sinful, right? Mm-hmm. We have these inhibitors inside us that are natural, called haya. Things like haya are natural, right? And we, we live in a world where there are things that are constantly eroding those inhibitions. Constantly, they're wear, trying to wear them down. Mm. And our job as parents and as elders is to is to keep those things protected, keep haya intact, right? Keep mm. fitra, you know, your that natural state, right, intact, and don't allow those things to be eroded. So, um, so vigilance is necessary. What games are your children playing? What are they watching on television? You know, I was just reading the other day that some of the children's shows are now going to um, have uh, have characters that are gay. Do you understand? And you know, I always say, and I know <clears throat> that the media is going to spin it differently, etc., etc. We don't have a problem with people's right to be gay. We don't have a problem with people's right to be homosexual. We just, what we are doing is balancing it out with our right to be Muslim mm. and our right to bring our children up on Islam, and firmly so. Uh, we we don't have a problem with our children being firmly tolerant, but firmly Muslim and firmly against the things that are against islamic morality as far as i am concerned i want to bring a child i want to bring my children up to see 
the way they see fornication and zina to be something that is completely haram, something that can never touch them. That for their their whole life, their ambition is, I will never touch alcohol, hmm. right? And I will never go anywhere near zina. As Allah says, Wala taqrabu zina. Don't go anywhere near zina, right? And my, so our attitude towards, towards homosexuality as people of faith is the same. Hmm. Meaning that we don't want our children to go anywhere near that as part of their faith. That has... We have, you know, who doesn't have relatives who commit zina, yeah. right? Who doesn't have extended family who drink alcohol, right? That doesn't mean that we don't tolerate them in our houses. We don't eat with them, dine with them, work with them, you know, engage with them, talk to them. It doesn't mean any of that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Meaning that we know one of the, one of the great spiritual lessons that we learn is that is that first and foremost, when you're when you have when you have the tawfiq to do good. When you do good, your goodness is you don't credit yourself with that goodness. That that comes from 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 God's enablement, yeah. right? From Allah's tawfiq. Um and in the same way when, when other people commit sins and do wrong, you don't judge them for it. Because by judging other people you are taking credit for your own goodness. Mm-hmm. Right? So we don't judge, right? So we don't judge you. You know, we we, we live in a country where we there are some shared uh, uh, there are some shared values that are based upon the secular identity of the country, etc., etc. Um, that that we that we've all agreed to live by. We've all agreed to live and let live and so on, right? But me, I if I I I'll let you live and let live. You've got to let me live and let mm. live. And what I want to live by is Islam yeah. and it's Sharia, right? And I want to bring my children up according to that. And I, I and therefore therefore I have to be vigilant when cartoons start introducing homosexual characters. I have to be vigilant when uh, new releases of of, 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 of of a Netflix series. That's a cartoon that once upon a time we never had to worry about. Yeah. Because this country also has a trajectory, right? Um, we didn't have to worry about yesterday. Now suddenly we have to worry about because suddenly there are these other messages. Mm. Yeah? That are, that are not acceptable in our religion. Right? And we shouldn't. And, and we shouldn't tolerate that in our children. And we shouldn't tolerate its exposure to our children. And this, again, goes again ties into the whole issue of RSE and sex education yeah. and so on where yes we're willing to accept somebody else's right to exist and be, the, be who they want to be but we don't want our right to be who we want to be and to teach what we want to teach and to bring up our children the way we want to bring them up to be infringed mm. you have to be vigilant about this right you have to be vigilant about how RSE is being taught to you that sex education is being taught and relationship education is being taught to your child in school in primary school Right. What is the school's policy on those things? You have to vision about who your children, as they grow up, who are their friends? Yeah. Right. Who are their friends? What are those friends' families like? You have to vision it. What does it mean to keep good company? Mm. By definition, it means not keeping bad company. That means you're you're going to avoid certain people. They don't like it. Tough luck. Be better. Right. You're mm. going to avoid certain people. You have to be vigilant about what your children are watching on TV if you're allowing them to watch it. I'm not judging that I let my children watch TV, right? Mm. It's restricted, it's timed, it's, you know, and I censor, and I do all of that, right? But I let them watch it. You understand? Yeah. Because if I don't let them, they're going to go do it behind my back, and that's when they're going to watch anything mm. and everything, right? Don't give your children smartphones at a young age. Oh, for God's sake, don't, don't, <laughs> don't. A big one. You know, my son, he tells me horror stories. Yeah. And it's a it's also a guilt trip, right? But he's telling me horror stories about oh boy, you know, I have classmates, they've got smartphones, oh, they have better phones than you. And do you know what I have to do? 
between me and my son and i am sorry that if somebody is hearing this and this is affecting them that i'm talking about that person i apologize to you in advance right mm. but I, in order to justify <clears throat> my action to my son i have to speak against that parent mm. and i have to say abu do you think your friend's parents are doing the right thing tell me honestly think about it do you think your parent your friend's parents are doing the right thing no but, but, but i don't think i don't think they're doing the right thing why I make him explain it to me, right? And I say to him, just because his parent isn't doing the right thing, right, doesn't mean I I should copy mm. his mistake, right? If I gave you a smartphone now, Baba, do you think I'd be doing the right thing? Mm. You know, I get my son to accept intellectually, clearly tell me that, no, that you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing, not giving me a smartphone. Right? Yes, of course. And I said, look. And then I say, look, Abu, I understand that you want one. Who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah. Who wouldn't? Right? But you know temptation is powerful. Mm. Do you understand? And I and I give him instances. Do you remember that time when you gave into this temptation? Do you remember that time when you gave into that temptation? Do you remember this time? Why do you think? You know, I have not judged you for it. I have not punished you for it. I understand it's temptation, right? But temptation is something that we have to avoid as mm. far as possible. Right? And when it happens and we give in, we have to make tawbah. Yeah. These conversations are important, mm. right? And vigilance is important. I want to know. You know, I asked my son about whether children in school around him, his classmates and friends, had started talking about pornography. I asked him straight. Vigilance, right? Vigilance on the streets. Vigilance about the drug dealing on your streets. The other day, I was driving past and, you know, like, it was blatant. That there was drug dealing going on. Now, I didn't call the police, right? Guilty as charged. Why? Because there's no way that those guys are going to be there when the police turn up, right? It's just not going to happen. However, there are people who live 10 feet away from where that's happening yeah. on a regular basis. And I'm thinking to myself, how comes I know that this is a popular drug spot, right? But the police don't. Mm. Surely it's being reported. And if it isn't being reported, then what are those residents doing? Like, if somebody turns up at my block the other day, this is not very long ago, actually. This was either just before Ramadan or in, no, just before Ramadan, right? Um, I walked into my block of flats, you know, and there were a bunch of guys hanging around there. I didn't challenge them at that time. I thought, yeah. you know what, maybe they, they're coming to visit relatives and so on, right? Then I heard noises inside my block, right? I went, me and one of my neighbors went down to challenge them what are you doing here we 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 we'd realize from the smell that they'd been smoking a joint inside our block mm. and we challenged them and make sure that make sure that they left of course keep your safety in mind call the police if you have to but be vigilant keep your areas clean and so on be active residents be active mm. citizens be active community members right you can't live your life because you can't live your life with your eyes shut because who are the potential victims? Your children, your grandchildren, your nephews and nieces. You, you mm. are the potential victims if you become if you if you're not vigilant. We have to be vigilant. I think it's it's really good advice. And how 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 would you on one final uh, kind of point? How would you kind of tie this all in? Because like for me, it it all comes back to also whether it's parents, whether it's the children, whether it's the youth. Um, a lot of it also comes down to education as well. Uh, and uh, someone like yourself who's been involved especially with Islamic education um, how important do you think that is even for a parent because a lot of parents nowadays they don't, they're, not, they're not actually clued up on a lot of these things and uh, 
of course they would expect their child to just go to the mosque madrasa memorize and, and learn a few things and come back um, but how important do you think Islamic education is with all of these things together whereby the tarbiyah aspect yeah. uh, and, and all of that what would your thoughts so, be on this? Really, really important question, mm. right? And I, I, I'm kind of thinking to myself, okay, you know, but I, I want you to hear me out. Yeah, and just bear with me, okay? So there's there's three things that I want to highlight. Mm. It's actually four things, but it's tight. They're all interconnected. So firstly, when it comes to education, we've already spoken about parents and parental mm. responsibility. And I just want to say that parents should educate themselves to educate their children as well. Right? I think that's yeah, one thing yeah. that you know, if if you're not sure what to do, go and learn. Alhamdulillah, no one can say today. 20 years ago, this was not the case, but nobody can say today that the services don't exist, that the courses don't exist, that there's no way you can go to learn about parenting. There's no way you can go to learn your fiqh. There's no way you as an adult, as a parent, there's no way you can go to polish up your tajweed so that you can help your child when they mm. learn their Quran. There's no way you can go to learn your fiqh so that you can correctly teach your child you know, their prayer and so on. Because yeah. the madrasas and the mosques won't get it right 100%. Your children will forget. The madrasa will follow a set curriculum, right? The curriculum's moved on, but your child's forgotten lesson number one. Mm. This is that's where you need to step in. Um, I was saying this in Ramadan in a talk that on one of the nights, um, uh, my kids were praying with me. And uh, uh, I kind of took a break and I, sh cut, I cut our tarawih short. Mm. And I said, um, get up and pray two rakats for me. Loud. And they prayed two rakats for me. Wallahi... You know, uh, my sons are 15 and 10. I was surprised at the number of mistakes they were making. Surprised, right? So I spent an hour, hour and a half speaking, correcting their mistakes, right? Including tajweed errors and recitation errors and pronunciation mm. errors, but also, you know, like in, in not reciting, the, not saying the right thing in the right place. And, you know, these kind of errors. Yeah. Alhamdulillah, most mine, I think there was only one major error, but most of them were my, were in the mustahabbat and etc. Then, then I got, went into khushru and I explained khushru to them and how it's important and why you say certain du'as in certain places and where he, they're making du'a so that they're making du'a consciously and things like that. I told them that. Their salah has not been the same since. Mm. But obviously, alhamdulillah, I've, I, I've, I've learned these things and I'm educated yeah. in these things. Therefore, I'm able to help them. But you can too. You as a parent, you can too, right? You've got to go to places like Ibrahim College and all of these other institutions that are providing providing courses to learn and improve yourself so you can develop your children. So that's one. The second is there are three sectors, educational sectors that are critical to our future, to our masajid, to the future of the Muslim community, to the preservation of our iman, right? Mm. They need to be doing well. They need to be thriving. We need to be supporting them, okay? That doesn't mean others are not important, but I think these... These are the priorities because they, they, they play a critical role. Mm. So number one, um, number one is madrasas, children's maktabs that run out of masjids or run out of out of private centers and so on and so forth. Right, seventy to eighty percent of Muslim children attend a madrasa. Okay, my my question to all of you watching, listening is simple. Right, if all seventy percent of those children were receiving an outstanding madrasa education, right. What would that mean for the future? Okay. Mm. Now, the fact that our community is where it is, is itself empirical evidence that the education in our madrasas is poor. It's yeah. not outstanding. It's nowhere near outstanding. Okay. That's something we need to work on as a community. Let's focus our efforts on, th on things that will bring change. Right. That's 70%. 
fix the problems where the masses are affected, right? If the madrasa education is outstanding, that 70% of children receiving a good Islamic education, right, from the age of five all the way till the age of 15. Mm. 10 years of good Islamic education. After that, Islamic schooling. It's a, it's a sector, it's grown up to a certain extent and so on and so forth. For those parents who want to send their children to Islamic school, some can afford to send the fees for a primary school and secondary school. Most people can't afford both. So they have to make a judgment call. My judgment call, secondary school is a priority. I want to see more and more Islamic secondary schools thriving, mm -hmm. being supported, being well resourced, being able to attract the best head teachers, being able to attract the best teachers. Right? Mm -hmm. My son goes to a private Islamic school. You know, and I want him to I want him to, to do well. And it's hard, you mm -hmm. know, and the resources are tough. And I get it, it's hard for parents to pay the fees and so on and so forth. But that is a se sector that we have to support. And finally, the sector that produces our leaders, our Darul Ulooms, our Ibrahim colleges, right? These places that run Alimiya programs and so on. We have to make sure that they're doing well, mm -hmm. that our talented children go to them. It's not just about giving money and supporting them, but also that our, that our talent goes to them so that our best minds, our best brains, our most, our most disciplined and most active people are the ones that are becoming imams and alims and scholars of, of the future. These three sectors are absolutely critical to our future. Now, so are primary schools and so are sixth forms, etc., etc. But I believe that in the, in the kind of primary, secondary, sixth form education, kind of in those three sectors mm. if we had to make a priority call i would say it's secondary education because the risk factors are lower in primary education if you had to send your children to mainstream education you know send them to primary send mm. them to nursery send them to primary secondary a lie i you know i went to secondary school and the memories haunt me and my nephews that go to secondary school now they mm. tell me the same stories they tell me the say it's the same stories. Why? Because there is no tarbiyah. Mm. In mainstream secondary schools, there is no tarbiyah. Everyone in my family is in education. What is the one thing they'll tell you? Why is it that children's behavior in Islamic schools is better than children's behavior? The qualifications and the, the, the maybe the standard of education when it, in the classroom might not be the same because we're not attracting the best teachers. But yeah. the tarbiyah is better. The children behave better. There is etiquette and adab in the way the children behave. Without a shadow of a doubt. Why? Because for us, how children behave, how they conduct themselves is the most important thing. That attitude doesn't exist in mainstream education. And as a result, you have what you have. Mm. Right. And that is that is a challenge for governments. That yeah. is a challenge for the state. It's a, it's a challenge for the for the for the Department for Education. I'm not talking about religious tarbiyah. I'm not talking about religious edification. No, no I'm talking about teaching teaching universal values to children even in a secular context right teaching universal values values to children becoming the most important priority first they become good human beings then they get good qualifications yeah that's really important that's really important because i think a lot of parents they their focus is more on and though we're not saying it's a bad thing but more focuses on okay let me get my child that qualification or title yeah. That means they've made it and that means they're a good person. Right. Some of you might think I'm an irresponsible parent. I told my son, mm. right, you come out a good Muslim, I'll accept a qual one qualification less. I'll accept mm. one, one, one grade less. I'll accept mm. it 100%. Wallahi, come out with a good, strong moral compass. Come out making decisions based on deen, based on religiosity, based on morality. Come out mature and responsible loving of your parents and loving of, of family and respecting of elders 
come out with those qualities, I will accept a grade less. Heck, I'll accept failure. Do you understand? You can retake your GCSEs later on, but come out with those things. And that's why I pay money to send them to Islamic school. Not because they, he's going to absolutely kind of cane in all of his exams. He, he might not, mm. but I don't care. I don't care. because and I did inherit this from my father. That was my, that was my father's attitude, right? You know, and Alhamdulillah, I believe I have, I, I believe that, that despite the fact that I didn't go to a school that where I did particularly well in GCSEs and stuff like that, but I believe I had a privileged education. Mm. Why? Because I received a religious education. You understand? And I, and I want the same thing for my children, right? And I've said to my children, inshallah, they'll do well in their GCSEs and you can all yeah, make dua for them. Inshallah, they will. But I will accept it. And they know I will accept it, but they're, but they're trying their best. Mm. But they're trying their best, right? Because they know that the priority is is their morality it's their values right it's whether they 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 know who allah is and who allah's rasul is that yeah. these things are the priority right and as muslims if these things are not a priority to us wallahi allah is ghayur allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is proud right you know here he is he's giving you the quran he's give, sent you his messenger his messenger has suffered the early generation muslims have suffered and sacrificed so that the deen would come to us and we turn our backs upon it Mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Isn't one to be trampled over Allah will deprive us He will deprive us And we will suffer the consequences of these actions Of this neglect you know what I mean, I mean yeah. there is no excuse We can make mistakes right? We can get things wrong But there is no excuse for having skewed priorities mm -hmm. No excuse whatsoever You know, you can't just give lip service to the idea That you want success in the akhirah That you want to go jannah When your whole life is oriented towards the dunya like you want to live forever. Mm. The the way you bring your children up is oriented towards dunya. The way you educate your children is oriented towards towards dunya. But your lip service is, ah, oh, you know, I want to be successful in that. I'm sorry. The lip service doesn't count. It has to inform every single thing that you do in your life. Right? And that includes the education of the children. That includes what you prioritize out in the community. Out for the community. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Anyway. Uh, that was good because it turned into like parenting 101 in the end so <laughs> a lot of really good tips and advice alhamdulillah uh, and a lot of really important issues uh, that have been covered and maybe in future we might need to bring you back for inshallah uh, part two inshallah inshallah. Well, you know Allah, Allah give us a tawfiq it's, all, it's, it's in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's hand and you know Allah wants action from us and um, you know and, and, and we have to act basically we have to inshallah. do the right things not just say the right things Inshallah. Uh, to all of our viewers and listeners, uh, check out uh, the work of Sheikh Shams Duha and, of course, Ibrahim College. More importantly, uh, it's all on it's all on all over social media, so you can find it there. Inshallah. Whether it's just finding out more from Sheikh Shams, if you want to even get in touch with him directly, if you want to take action with your local masjid, I'm sure he'd be more than happy to help you with that. And if you just want I to mean, educate yourself, check out that video on, on yes, my Facebook yes. page, and then I, I I think I checked the alerts, but. <laughs> Sometimes it might, There might be a delay But if you want to leave a comment And say Oh you know Your masjid is interested And yeah. what, what support can we provide To be honest I haven't done much And I haven't necessarily I don't really have An infrastructure built But I'm happy to See what I can do Yeah Right And work with others And leverage others um, to, to support people 
And at, while the numbers are low, I'm doing my... So the messages that I've reached out so far, I'm helping them, mm. right? And I'll help as much as I can. And if, if it goes beyond my capacity, then I'll leverage other people. Yeah. But but I believe in this and I believe this needs to happen. So I'll, I'll do what I can, inshallah. So, you, you know, I'm happy for people to reach out. Inshallah. Thank you so much once again for joining us, Sheikh Shams. And uh, make sure, inshallah, you subscribe to the YouTube channel and uh, the own feed uh, podcast on iTunes. Inshallah, we'll be back again with more episodes from your host, Shabir, and from Sheikh Shams and the whole team. We'll see you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.